mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, stand your ground laws have come under scrutiny recently after a string of wrong place, wrong time shootings around the country. But what does the law actually say in Ohio? We'll do a deep dive with Hancock County Prosecutor Phil Regal. Also this morning, a major shakeup in the media landscape as Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon are ousted from Fox News and CNN, respectively. What will be the impact on cable TV news and beyond? And it's a great time to open your heart and your home. The Hancock County Humane Society has plenty of animals that would make great additions to your family. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, April 26th, 2023. So here is the first thing you need to know. This is uh, your installment of things you should not have to be told that you should know anyway. A new survey out of the United Kingdom finds that most people bring their phone into the bathroom with them. And you might want to rethink scrolling while you're sitting on the loo. Uh, Especially. Especially if you eat with your phone nearby. So in other words, you go into your, you know, go in to do your business and you're passing time by scrolling through your phone, your news feed, your social media, what have you. And then you go and have lunch and you've got your phone beside you doing the same thing. Don't do that. It says we touch our phones an estimated hundred times a day. Well, more than a hundred times a day. And our hands pick up bacteria and viruses all the time. Multiple studies have shown that phones can be contaminated with things like E. coli, staphylococcus, and pathogens that can cause urinary tract infections, meningitis, tuberculosis even, and strep. Some of these diseases can stay on your phone for days or even a week. Recommendation is daily sanitation of your phone using alcohol-based wipes or sprays. But avoid using bleach. And, of course, wash your hands uh, after, uh, after cleaning. <clears throat> Things that you shouldn't have to be told, but, <laughs> but that we have to be told anyway. <laughs> I know. You shouldn't have to tell you that, but don't take your phone into the bathroom. Or don't use it while you're on the... Uh, what else is going on here? Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Guess what the uh, the new trend is for new parents in 2023? Gender neutral gender neutral names and using last names as first names. Both big trends in 2023. Name expert Colleen Slagan says that, well, first of all, what does it take to be a name expert? I guess you just declare yourself a name expert. (laughs) Everybody has one. I am a name expert. Uh, I have one myself. Anyway, I guess she studies these uh, trends, and she says the 2023 name trends include uh, names like Sutton, Miller, um, both Again, last names as first names. Brooke, Margot, Eloise, and August are the more traditional choices that have become popular in 2023. Some strategies for selecting the perfect name include uh, looking at vintage names. Uh, Again, using a surname as a first name, picking a gender-neutral name, or picking a longer name that can be shortened into a lovable nickname. Um, she says, I think one thing people are really interested in is how popular a name is. And some people want a popular name. Some parents want deliberately look for names that are not as popular, that not every child will have to give to their child, which can backfire easily, but... Uh, you can easily look up a name on a social security website and uh, see how often it has been used because they do track those things. So that is the the transgender neutral names. And I wonder uh, if that has anything to do 
with uh, all of the conversations that are, are very popular in pop media now uh, these days about uh, transgenderism and gender fluidity and all of that. I wonder if any of that is playing into this trend of gender-neutral names. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Speaking of children, this is kind of interesting. Researchers um, out of Denmark, Danish researchers, collected... (laughs) It says these researchers collected hundreds of dirty diapers from babies. And why would they do that? Well, they were examining the, you know, excrement from uh, these babies. They found... Thousands of previously unknown viruses in the diapers of these babies. Scientists were already aware that the gut's microbiome plays a role in the onset of chronic illnesses um, like diabetes, asthma, and so on. Yet, it says they have only just begun to parse the many viruses contained in the gut, which, of course, make their way out through, you know, uh, through the stool. Uh, now, a new study published in Nature Microbiology can confirm that the baby gut contains, are you ready for this, some 10,000 viral species, um, and that is 10 times more than the number of bacterial species uh, in the average toddler. So... Babies uh, start with all of these uh, viral species in their stool, in their gut. And uh, some of them uh, previously unknown. More research is needed. That's kind of crazy to think about, isn't it? That is really wild. Uh, Let's see here. Speaking of technology, which makes these amazing things possible... Here is the latest breakthrough in the world of robotics. Apparently, a uh, breakthrough here could help get your favorite beers to store shelves faster. It can help brewers make beer faster. Scientists in the Czech Republic have created beer bots, they call them, which can speed up the process of fermentation, uh, which can take up to a month in, in the standard way, but these beer bots produce and release carbon dioxide as they travel up and down the solution that they are inserted into. And that process speeds up fermentation of sugar. When there is no more sugar to ferment, the, bon- the bots sink to the bottom of the beer container and a magnet can be used to scoop them up so they don't end up in the beer because you don't want a beer bot in your beer. Um... The beer bots are just two millimeters wide and are made with yeast, iron oxide, and sodium alginate. And they speed up the fermentation process. So you can brew brew beer faster. Now that, now that is a worthwhile use of technology. I mean, we often talk about how technology, you know, they, the claim is it's going to make our lives better. And we wonder sometimes whether it actually does. Well, here is undisputed proof that technology can be used for good. And and lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, kind of a good news, bad news situation from this new scientific study. Uh, Yes, stress can literally age you prematurely, but... The silver lining is the effects of stress on aging are not permanent, as it turns out. This is new research out of Duke University, the Duke School of Medicine, results just published in the journal Cell Metabolism, which I don't know if you've gotten your copy of that uh, journal recently. I was thumbing through it the other day. and. <laughs> And I saw this story. Not really. I saw it on the newswire. But it's from the journal Cell Metabolism. And uh, the researchers report that biological age is fluid and exhibits rapid changes in both directions. Noting 
that biological aging in cells has been noticed in response to big-time stressors. Like, for example, um, well, during the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, we know how stressful that was for a myriad of reasons. But, uh, you know, maybe you've got a major life event. Um, You know, whatever it is that's stressing you out, yes, that does prematurely age you, those stressors. However... How many candles you have on your birthday cake is not indicative of how old you actually are. It is now clear, they say, that biological age is not indelibly linked to chronological age. Uh, They note everything from your lifestyle, whether you have a healthy lifestyle or a poor lifestyle, to exposure to stress, and even the chemicals uh, that you were... exposed to for a variety of reasons, be it food and pesticides and you know whatever. Uh, all of these things can alter your actual age down or up. So it's not a matter of you're only as old as you feel, but more, you're only as old as your cells are. And um, anyway, they go on to say, while a stress-filled life can certainly end your life prematurely, it is not the stress itself, it's the aging of your cells that it causes. Conversely, The researchers say studying exactly how cells are able to bounce back from stress and de-age may help them determine how to extend our healthy lives. So, yes, the long and short of it is, yes, stress can age you, but it is only a temporary thing. How about that? You de-stress, you de-age. So there you go. Definitely one of the first things you need to know to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly sunny today with a high in the mid-50s, clear and cold tonight with a low in the mid-30s. The Finley Municipal Court will be holding its 6th Annual Safe Surrender Day on Thursday. During the event, people with an active bench warrant can address their legal issues without immediately going to jail. It certainly is something that if you've got a warrant, if you're tired of hiding behind the curtains or looking over your back, come on, come on in. That's Judge Alan Hackenberg. This is Judge Stephanie Bishop with more on how the event works. If an individual comes in, they can either reschedule a jail commitment, they can re-engage in their treatment, they can reschedule their community service. So if they show up, then it's something that certainly is fairly easy to get recalled and get fixed. Get more details on the Finley Municipal Court Safe Surrender Day on our website. A group is officially kicking off its drive to collect more than 400,000 valid signatures across Ohio to put an issue on the ballot asking Ohioans to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. A 2019 Policy Matters Ohio report found that increasing Ohio's minimum wage to $15 would give 2 million workers an additional $4,000 a year. But opponents say raising the minimum wage could result in increased costs to pay for those higher salaries and wages. ONN's Ashley Bornanson reporting. The state of Ohio has announced a fifth round of Ohio's K-12 school safety grant program. Several Hancock County schools will be receiving funding in this latest round, including Arlington Local Schools, Riverdale, Van Lu, Hancock County ESC, and Van Buren Elementary School. The grant funding will go to support physical safety and security upgrades at those schools. Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud is expected to be a top pick in the NFL draft on Thursday, but enthusiasm over him has dropped off a bit. There has been some negative talk about him, from his score on a cognitive test to maybe he doesn't work that hard. Ryan Day has seen none of that. I would draft him with the first pick of the draft, you know, because I know him so well. I know how bad he wants to be great, and I know what his potential and his ceiling is. You know, he's going to get drafted by somebody, and then it's a matter of going to work. I'm Dom Tiberi. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now our cover story this morning. Stand your ground laws have come under scrutiny recently after a string of wrong place, wrong time shootings around the country. So we thought we would take a kind of a deeper dive into this, find out exactly what the law in Ohio actually says. Hancock County Prosecutor Phil Regal is with us in the studio this morning. And first of all, it should be pointed out that the stand your ground laws are slightly different in different states. I mean, this is not a federal uh, thing. This is a state law, so they can vary somewhat. Correct. Good morning and and, and correct. 
each stand your ground law is is a little different and you know some people think stand your ground means um castle doctrine is everywhere and that is there are different things that's yeah that's the thing so let's talk first of all about well the reason all of this comes up and you you know everybody has heard these uh stories uh about the uh the kid who went to the wrong house looking to pick up his siblings and gets shot um for just knocking on the door the the young lady uh with her friends that were trying to find a, a friend's house in an unfamiliar neighborhood pulled into the wrong driveway end up getting shot these are just spectacularly horrible stories um absolutely and again at least in one of these cases i'm told that the uh, perpetrator the the shooter is going to make a stand your ground claim but that's not what the law actually allows right and and, and again so separating stand your ground and castle so castle doctrine is in your home essentially you know you have um you don't have a obviously any duty to retreat mm-hmm. as well as but there still has to be some sort of threat right i mean it, it, there yeah. has to be some sort of threat there has to be something that says Okay, this person is is trying to harm someone, steal something, do something, harm your property or yourself. Is in your more, home. somebody is more than just lost? Correct. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, they're always and, and the the standard is always going to be: is the force, the use of force, reasonable? Okay, and, and and that's in all of these. You know, you can't just someone walks through your door, you can't just pop them. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's not the law. Shoot first, ask right. questions later. That's is not, not that's not the law. Not this the is law. this isn't the Wild West, and this isn't yeah. Wyatt Earp and those guys. Yeah. You know, uh, hanging around. You know, this. So you have to. You know, is it is it a, isn't a reasonable threat? Now, if the person is coming in and they're they're waving their arms and they're they're yelling and they're coming at you, well, then maybe that's a little different story, right? Yeah. I mean, because then you may have some fear that they're coming at you, right? You know, is there a legal definition? You talk about the the use of deadly force as being reasonable. Is there a legal difference in the in the definition between reasonable and necessary? Yeah, I mean, pro- I mean, you'd probably use those pretty interchangeably for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I guess going back to stand your ground, stand your ground. The only thing stand your ground does, and I, I have I brought a copy of the code. All it does is remove the duty to retreat. So in Ohio and in the common law. Uh, there had been a duty to retreat. If you could retreat from a situation, so if mm-hmm. you if you um, if you didn't want potential legal liability for criminal liability, right, you had to show that you could not retreat to a safe place. So if someone came up and, and attacked you or whatever, if you could retreat before you say run to the bedroom or the bathroom, close so, the door, call nine one one, yeah, and take it out, take it out of the house, take yeah. it. So say where I'm on the street. I'm walking on the street. Okay. Did I have a do I have a place that I can go to that I could be safe without having to attack back, you know, yeah. or, or, or or fight back or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So that was the old law. Yeah. And so stand your ground in Ohio essentially only takes away that duty to retreat. And so if you're on the street because um, really, standard ground doesn't really do much with castle doctrine. Castle doctrine still is Two there. Different Those things. are different things. Two different and things. People use them interchangeably, but they're different. So, what would castle? And castle doctrine is not the law in Ohio. Yeah, right? yeah. There's castle. Oh, doctrine. there is a castle. Yeah, doctrine yeah, castle doctrine is okay. your house. Okay, but that just it's your house, and, and it also applies generally to your car. Not every situation but generally to your car okay. someone comes in your car and attacks you someone comes in your house and attacks you then you don't have to retreat you can uh, you can immediately use necessary force so uh so again things that are used interchangeably but there are some subtle differences there yes they're, they're very very different i mean but in castle doctrine goes back to 1604 i mean it goes to the common law back to yeah. 1604 that there's been a castle doctrine essentially um, in the common law and then and then in in uh, state law as well, but that's again that's different than standard ground. Standard ground is generally other places. It'd be other places that you're taking away that duty to retreat that you used to have in the common law and right. in state law, and so so you don't have to retreat. So if you're legally allowed to be there, you don't necessarily have to retreat. But still, it comes back to is the use of force reasonable? And and this is and this is really the key thing. This is the pe- thing that people do not understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you are the aggressor, it can never be justified. So you, so the person, so put it this way. So they say, maybe the person has even stolen your wallet. Okay. They're running away. They're no longer the aggressor. 
you shoot them in the back, you attack them from behind and, you know, like hurt them. Even to retrieve your property. Right. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, obviously you can try to, you could be reasonable. You can come in and try to get your property back, but you can't shoot them in the back. You know what I'm saying? In order to do that. Yeah. You can't shoot them in the back to get your wallet back. No. That's not, the law would not say that is reasonable. And, and just to, I know, uh, especially uh, lawyers hate to talk in hypotheticals, but using that as uh, as an example that you just mentioned, someone steals your wallet, runs down uh, runs down the street, you chase after them. Um, no, you can't shoot them, but if you then confront them to try and get your property back, and they fight you, do, do they? Does that change that dynamic it again? Could, it could change it. I mean, okay. it, it could. Yeah, again, these are very fact specific. Yeah, and you exactly. Have to get very hypotheticals. Old. How do you, hypotheticals. you, know, you know? Is the person but armed? That's, and that's the other thing. Is the person armed? I mean, if we, you know, someone that certainly you, would solidify your case, right? I if, mean, if you, yeah. you know, someone punching you in the face, can you use deadly force on that? I mean, most times, probably not. You know, some you know, again very fact specific, but the, you know, a punch. The response has to be has to be proportional. Yeah, I mean, in, in reasonable. That's part of the reasonable, reasonable aspect. Yeah. Is it reasonable someone to punch you in the face? Yeah. and then you say, okay, I'm pulling out a, a mm-hmm. gun and I'm going to shoot you. Yeah. probably not reasonable most of the time. Yeah, again, there could be. Again, we're talking very very specific things. Sure. There could be situations, but generally, exactly. that's not that would not be okay. The bottom line and the point is that uh, even under the stand your ground laws, the Castle Doctrine you still have to be able to justify that to the authorities, uh, whether there's be law enforcement or uh, the, the prosecutor, judge, and jury. Right. You have to be able to justify your actions. Right. It, right. You just can't say, Oop, stand your ground, and that's it. Yeah, stand your ground basically allows you to claim self-defense in those situations. And mm-hmm. So you can claim self-defense, but you, but you, still, still, you still have to – there's got to be some evidence to show that it is self-defense. Now, this, is that it, what they call an affirmative defense? Right. You would affirm it as saying it's a self-defense. Yeah. And then we – so the, one of the other things stand your ground kind of does is it kind of makes it so it's our – so the state's burden to show that it's unreasonable to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, is it, what is a normal person, is, is this a reasonable use of force? And yeah. is it, is it, was it necessary? You yeah. know, does it, and again, we're kind of using those a little interchangeably and that sort of thing. But, you know, again, and I come back to this because this is the one where people always, if you become the aggressor, it's never going to be justified. Yeah. That is the uh, bottom line. And uh, again, as it relates to these cases, uh, there are a lot of, uh, there are, I don't want to say a lot, there are a number of people, a certain segment of people who are now saying that uh, are these laws uh, really necessary? Are they proper? Uh, do they need to be reworked or repealed? But it doesn't sound like the, the law is the problem. It's more people's interpretation of the law. I, I think some or misinterpretation. I, I think there's probably more that than the other. I think people. Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily against stand your ground. I think there's a lot of good things about stand your ground, mm-hmm. but at the same time, people um, use those things to justify actions that people would say, "Hey, that you shouldn't do that, yeah. right? That's that's not okay." Yeah. I mean, how you how you reacted here, you know, somebody, you know, uh, you know, doesn't is unarmed and they threaten you, but they're leaving, and you go and somebody, you just start, you know, beating the tar out of them. Yeah. That's not okay. Or somebody knocks on your door uh, right. that's gone to the wrong address. You don't still don't have the right to, to pop them. Right. Yeah. Uh, again, Hancock County Prosecutor Phil Regal with us uh, breaking down stand your ground laws in Ohio, what the law actually says versus what sometimes we think that it says. Phil, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thank you. It. So one of the big stories this week has been the major shakeup of the media landscape. As the axe fell on Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon at Fox News and CNN, respectively, over the weekend. So what will be the impact on cable TV news and beyond as we head into a presidential election cycle? We are joined by Dr. Shane Tilton this morning. He is Associate Professor of Multimedia Journalism at Ohio Northern University in Ada and a fellow for the university's Institute for Civics and Public Policy. Uh, I'm curious your take on what we saw happen. I thought it was interesting because you had uh, personalities uh, on both the left and the right uh, that got axed uh, basically within 24 hours uh, of each other. 
Is it a case of, certainly with Tucker Carlson, you can look at the uh, Fox News settlement with Dominion Voting Systems, that uh, that lawsuit, and it seemed like the uh, Don Lemon firing uh, stemmed from some of the disparaging comments he made about Nikki Haley on air. But was this a case of these news channels deciding that these personalities were more polarizing, more toxic than they were worth? Well, uh, first, thank you for having me. This is a great pleasure. Um, I, guess, I guess the answer is there. When you look at personalities like Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon, you have to kind of put them and frame them for what they are, which is commentators. So typically, right. they have to have a good rapport with their audience. They have to be able to basically sort of translate the news. And there's a calculation, and there's a point where uh, where that trans trans uh, translation that they do mm-hmm. is going counter to legal ramifications and other ramifications. So yeah, it's, it's possible that the network decided that their value because of the other aspects of who they were made them a little bit more of a liability. And I, I wonder if these, this is not the first time very high profile personalities have been ousted by both of these networks on Fox News, they bounced Bill O'Reilly. Uh, CNN previously had uh, parted ways with Chris Cuomo uh, for, and, and it, I, I wonder if you're make the good point that you know their job is to identify with the audience, and both of these personalities did with their respective audiences, uh, certainly. And you have to, to a certain extent, as you're if you're a commentator, give the people what they want. But it seems like there is a bit of hubris on the part of these hosts who think that they can pretty much say anything and that they are uh, irreplaceable, untouchable. Right, and I think it's perfectly fair. And I think cable news in particular builds up the ego because there, there's really there's strata in cable news. So you have sort of the day-to-day journalists whose jobs are to find stories, um, you have some of the anchors which are responsible for sort of compiling that. Then you sort of have like the new component, which is like the morning shows. And I think like between the morning shows and like the commentators we see at night, there is sort of this, when the spotlight gets shined on people, it is very easy for the ego to drive everything. And they lose sort of the, it's very easy to lose the way because you have to think about there, there's millions of fans that are, basically living and dying with every word that the computer said. And there is, you know, a history of how those commentators maybe overplay their hands. And then what they find is, and based if we talk about Bill O'Reilly, you can talk about sort of Rush Limbaugh and you can talk sort of the, the and, and even on the right, there are the politicians that way, or there's uh, commentators that way, yeah. that once they sort of lose that footing, they can't get it back. Yeah. So it's going to be, I think, the, the you're starting to see uh, Cuomo basically sort of make a small comeback, but honestly, it's a much smaller market, so, or a smart, smaller um, well, audience. So I, I think it's, the, yeah, I think the hubris is definitely point of it. Yeah, uh, and, and you, you bring up the, the point, is there a path back? I mean, certainly uh, Bill O'Reilly is, is still out there with his uh, daily radio commentary and his internet presence. Megan Kelly, uh, I think, has a uh, podcast mm-hmm. and she has a, an internet presence, but certainly... Uh, they have uh, not been able to regain the kind of following that they had with the cable news uh, megaphone that they once enjoyed. Right. And I, and I think it's just because, much like any aspect of media, that audiences are always looking for the new voice, the new interesting thing that resonates with the listeners or the viewers. I think that once the the personality hits their their peak um yeah it, it's a it's a tougher climb because unlike traditional journalists which are basically covering stories mm-hmm. there's sort of like a there's like sort of a status it's basically they're they're going to do they're maybe run up to different um platforms but because they're not a public personality there's not that much exposure right. so well, i think the the thing that you're looking at is that yeah because people are looking for something new and dynamic 
older voices kind of get left by the and, wayside. Unfortunately. And it certainly says something about for all of the talk about the amount of news that people get from the Internet, the Internet still does not seem to be the replacement for, you know, like the, the you know broadcast uh, news channels that are uh, so ubiquitous, uh, at least not at this point. Um, and what, what you were saying kind of also speaks to, you know, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon were both uh, widely uh, viewed personalities, beloved by their you know uh, particular audiences. Again, whether you are right or left, but there were a significant number of people in the middle who lament the fact that they also tend to uh, drive the political divide that is so deep in this country right now. Not only driving it, but capitalizing on it, and are. Uh, in the wake of these uh, firings are saying, well, does that mean that we can get back to some civility uh, in uh, the uh, public discourse? And as you mentioned, there's always going to be someone else to step up and fill the void. Right. And I, and I think you're speaking to really sort of another purpose behind cable news. That is entertainment. Right. So if you look, if it, if we look at sort of maybe the, the control platform of news. We say headline news. So headline news by its design is designed to just keep giving 30 minute updates and you will see that they're even on their end they're doing entertainment. So I think what we look for for from a from a psychological edge is that we do look for the conflict because it it captivates parts of our brain that are exciting. We want to see how it's it's not necessarily maybe tribalism as some people would say, but it is more that we look for that conflict because that conflict drives a narrative that we find interesting. If we talk about basic news and the the distribution of facts, that can be pretty cut and dry. We don't like to sit and watch a PowerPoint presentation of <laughs> right. hundreds of facts. Right? It's 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 boring. So we do look for that dynamic aspect, and conflict drives that 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 interest and you have to have personalities to drive the conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, that is the eternal question is uh, finding that, that balance between facts and entertainment that dates all the way back to the launch of CNN back in, what was it? 1980. And uh, the, mm-hmm. the question of how are they going to fill 24 hours uh, of news? Well, uh, this is how it gets filled. Um, I also, again, people uh, thinking, you know, does this change the landscape as we enter a presidential cycle? Um, as you, you're talking, somebody's going to step up and fill those voids on both the uh, the left and the right. But I'm wondering, does it change uh, things a little bit because we don't yet know who those individuals will be and quite what their take on it will be? Uh, I think that's a fair question, and I and I would point that basically every presidential cycle, there's always or at least for the most part, there tends to be some sort of reporter or commentator that strikes our interest. And mm-hmm. I think if we look at the uh, 2020 presidential cycle, you looked at the at least the first debate as being a, a interesting uh, convergence uh, because you would have YouTube uh, commentators that would be focusing on it. I think what we're going to pro- – my best guess is it's going to be more fragmented. So there will still be the dynamic personalities at the national level. But mm-hmm. I think what we're going to start seeing more and more is that local news coverage is going to be more vital. And we're going to see more, maybe not necessarily from social media, but we are going to see sort of those personalities that are sort of like micro micro journalists or managers. They're like micro-celebrities that they're trying to cover particular aspects of the campaign. And I think that – is going to kind of drive coverage for the next 18 months. But we'll have to wait and see. And I guess uh, the other bottom line point to to make in, in all of this, and we were kind of touching on it earlier, is being able to differentiate between the commentary, the personalities who are interpreting the news with their own spin versus the facts uh, of the news that is the hard news coverage. I mean, these are two different things. Absolutely. And that's where most of the general public gets really confused. When they see CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, mm. they see it as one conglomerated mess. And it really is multi-layer. So, I, so case in point, we just, uh, I had students that went uh, covered the debates in 19 at Otterby. And 
they were working with Fox News reporters, and they worked with uh, CNN, and just all across the spectrum. And what the common component was for every journalist that was in the debates at Autobike is that they were driving to tell a story that was based on a representation of the reality of the situation. Commentators sort of have a wonderful, you know, brush they can paint with. They can paint with their own yeah. perceptions of reality, mm. and that version of reality gets transmitted to their audience, which that's sort of not the case with journalists. So that's really the difference that often fails to be distinguished. Yeah. Again, uh, Dr. Shane Tilton is with us, uh, Associate Professor of Multimedia Journalism at the Ohio Northern University in Ada, fellow for the university's Institute for Civics and Public Policy on uh, what the fallout will be as Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon are ousted from uh, Fox News and CNN, respectively. Interesting stuff, especially, again, given the timing of it. Uh, Dr. Tilton, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. We appreciate your uh, perspective on this. Chris, once again, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Daniel Asensio Barrera was uh, pulled over on Thursday evening in Clearwater, Florida. Uh, While he was initially arrested for driving with a revoked license, cops found something interesting during a search of his vehicle. According to the arrest report, police found a bag containing a 29 points of nearly 30 gram mixture that tested positive for heroin. When asked about the baggie, Mr. Barrera reportedly said his family sent it to him from Guatemala and he thought it was chili powder. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, that's just an old family recipe for chili powder. Uh, he has been charged with narcotics trafficking and faces a probation violation charge related to a DUI conviction in addition to the original charge of driving on a revoked license. That was just chili powder. That's all that was. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Speaking of uh, odd police stops, just another day for police in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, when they pulled over a driver for a routine traffic stop. What was supposed to be a routine traffic stop until they found a half ounce of methamphetamine and crack cocaine in the driver's sock. According to news reports, police say they pulled over 62-year-old Cameron Ernest Bell... 62 years old. I would think he would know better. Um, Apparently, he stopped at an intersection that did not have a stop sign. And uh, so they pulled him over because they thought maybe something was going on. Uh, They found out he also had a suspended license. Uh, Officer Andrew Stevens, who was on patrol when he pulled over Mr. Bell, uh, added that the suspect allegedly slurred his words and had bloodshot eyes and droopy eyelids. Based on this... He was given a sobriety test and showed signs of impairment. That's when officers found a half an ounce of methamphetamine in his sock, in addition to having crack cocaine and a pipe on him, all of which Mr. Bell refused to take responsibility for. He told the officer that the pants weren't his. (laughs) I don't know what those are doing in my pants. They're not mine. The pants aren't mine. Um, It's amazing to me how often we have stories where uh, people claim to be wearing other people's pants. You know, it's um in all my life I have not I have never put on someone else's pants. But uh anyway, apparently there's a rash of this among uh, users. Anyway, um he also claimed he was unsure how the methamphetamine got into his sock. I have no idea how that got there. Somebody must have put that in whoever gave me whoever gave me these pants. Must have... <laughs> Uh, He was subsequently arrested and charged with possession with intent, possession of controlled substance, and DUI, along with several summary traffic offenses. Uh, His uh, preliminary hearing is scheduled for tomorrow, so that should be interesting. Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Uh, Let's see. Now, here's uh, the story of another disruption on an airline flight, passengers behaving badly, but... You have to wonder if the airline actually handled this uh, as well as they could have. Four passengers uh, ended up being arrested following two alleged brawls that broke out during a uh, a flight or an Australian airline. I'm not sure which airline it is um, out of Australia. 
Qantas is the big one, but I don't know if you know, this was Qantas, uh, Qantas flight or not. But anyway, after the first incident, the plane returned to Queensland, where it had taken off from, and a woman was removed and charged with disorderly behavior. Thinking that they had taken care of the problem, the plane took off again, but then the same group of individuals... <laughs> Minus the woman that they took off the plane, the rest of the same group began to argue again, eventually smashing a window in the aircraft. The plane then had to make a second emergency landing, and three more passengers were arrested. (laughs) Charges include intentionally endangering the safety of others, aggravated assault, damage to property, and disorderly behavior. Eventually, the plane got where it was going, but having... (laughs) to land not just one but two emergency landings next time you might just want to take care of the entire brawling contingent the first time you land you know what i mean that was probably the way to uh, handle that uh let's see this from south memphis tennessee where the uh, state highway patrol (laughs) uh uncovered more than they figured they would Uh, after investigating reports of several stolen lawnmowers in West Tennessee. Uh, Apparently, the investigation led them to a South Memphis warehouse where Highway Patrol officers uncovered a chop shop in operation. (laughs) A chop shop for riding lawnmowers. (laughs) Not exotic cars or anything like that. No, a chop shop for riding lawnmowers. Um, They say the... uh, uh, they uh, arrested five people uh, in the uh, in the raid of the riding lawnmower chop shop. <laughs> All right, and finally, in the broken news this morning, locals in the United Kingdom are mourning the loss of a rusty pole that had gained popularity in recent years. The Exmouth rusty pole even has a TripAdvisor and Google review page. This has become a tourist attraction. People leave very quirky reviews of their visit to the region to see the rusty pole. That's all it is, just a rusty pole. Uh, There for no apparent reason, but it has become a tourist uh, attraction. However, earlier this month, the landmark vanished. Um, Said... uh, Said Robin Trigger Glover of the Exmouth Rusty Pole Society, quote, I remember turning to my partner and just saying, I can't believe it's gone. It's so innocent, so I don't really understand. Um, the local water company confirmed that it removed the pole due to public safety concerns because it was a rusty pole and they didn't want it to fall on someone and hurt someone. So they just a rusty pole. So they took it down. Uh, replacement poles, however, are now being considered because people are mourning the loss of their rusty pole that the community was famous for. Replacement poles are being considered, but locals are concerned that any new pole may not be rusty enough. (laughs) We don't want a new pole. We want our rusty pole back. Uh, As one visitor... Uh, who rated the Rusty Pole five stars on TripAdvisor, uh, uh, reviewed, uh, commented, this is definitely the best Rusty Pole I have ever seen. Highly recommended and would visit again. But alas, now they can't because the Rusty Pole has been removed. (laughs) Oh, man. Wouldn't it be great if that was the biggest story that we had to worry about, that that was the worst thing in the world that was happening, that the Rusty Pole was removed there you go uh that is uh, today's broken news report an update on the odd and unusual side of the uh, news headlines we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming when you're behind the wheel it's okay to rock out to your music but it's not okay to interact with your phone screen and electronic devices while driving in most cases anything more than a single touch or swipe is against the law That means no texting, no typing, no scrolling, no shopping, no browsing. If an officer sees a violation, they can pull you over. So remember, Ohio, phones down. It's the law. 
Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We think of this as vacation season, right? We're just coming out of spring break time, heading towards summer vacation season. But is this really the time that uh, you would want to travel if you had your druthers? According to a new survey of 2,000 Americans commissioned by Motel 6, about a third of those in the survey said that they actually prefer to travel during off-peak seasons because destinations are quieter, less crowded. About 29% say that that is their preferred time to uh, take uh, take a vacation. Um, visiting family and friends, needing a break, and the desire to explore a new city are the top reasons that people go on vacation, regardless of when they go. I thought this was kind of interesting. 75% in this survey said that the journey is just as much fun as the destination. But 67%, two out of three, actually say they enjoy trips more if they are unplanned. Have you ever taken a vacation on a whim, just out of the blue, say, let's go somewhere. You head to the airport and go. Two out of three said that 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 would be the kind of vacation that they would most enjoy. And I thought this was kind of interesting as well. 74% uh, say that nearly three in four say that they feel excited at the start of a trip, whether planned or unplanned. But only 38% said that they felt that they feel relaxed on the way home after the trip. <laughs> Isn't that why we go on vacation to start with? To, to relax? Uh, but only 38% of us say they feel relaxed at the end of a vacation. Make of that what you will. Jessica is here from the uh, Hancock County Humane Society, and you have brought Marco yes. along. And that was him, not me. My- <laughs> <laughs> it, it's radio, it's not smell of it. Marco, let one go. <laughs> but he is adorable. Yes, he's a really good boy. And boy, he is curious. He is all over the studio yeah. here. Um and uh, so tell us about Marco. Marco is a boxer mix, um, mm-hmm. possibly maybe some pit. Mm-hmm. We got him as a stray. He's two years old, 10 months, and he's just a handsome boy. He is. And uh, he's very, uh, he's actually very gentle and, yes. and very curious. He's, I can see him getting into just about everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's nosy. It's okay to be nosy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but he's checking everything out. He loves, loves, loves his toys. And as you can tell, he loves his treats. <laughs> he's very gentle with them. He loves everybody he meets. Um, yeah. He's great with kids and adults and um, other dogs for the most part, you know. That's and good. Um, cats, he's just a little too friendly with. He might want to <laughs> okay. taste the kitties. So okay. no kitties, possibly. Pro- preferably. Right. There you go. And, you know, he's available for adoption yes. with, yes. Uh, you know, lots of uh, animals that you have. Yes. Uh, dogs, cats, primarily. You have uh, some other stuff, too? We don't have any small critters right now. We used to have a rabbit, but um, okay. it's all dogs and cats okay. right now. And they all... We have a lot need of good homes. One of the one of the things that you are able to do is tell people, you know, what kind of home a lot of these yes. uh, animals would be good for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Kids and other pets and all of that. That being said, that's part of the adoption process. You want to meet everybody yes. in the family. Yes. Everyone in the meeting household does have to come in for a meet and greet. If you have any other dogs, they have to come in too. Mm-hmm. Um, that way we can make sure everyone gets along. Because right. um, Just because someone gets along at the shelter doesn't mean everyone else in the household won't get along with the pets mm-hmm. and or there could be allergic reactions you know we've had that Good happen point. before yeah. too or the kids come in break out in hives from certain fur and certain animals yeah. so. because you want to make sure that when you yeah. place an animal it is in a fact forever. a forever home uh what is involved in the adoption process um it, it, like i said everyone has to come in to meet and greet and you fill mm-hmm. an application if right. you rent we do contact the landlord make sure the landlord okay's breed size and everything mm-hmm. um and um we just we go from there um and but this can be done in like an afternoon right? yes oh yeah, yeah. it so. can be done fairly quickly yeah, yeah. and uh all of the animals uh are you they're they're uh spayed, spayed and neutered yep. everyone's spayed and neutered um they get their first shots yep. and and all of that which actually brings up a, a point if you are a, a pet owner this is the uh, time to adopt. be yeah yes. it's a great time to Summer. adopt and if you're already a pet owner this is the time to get those uh, shots yes. the rabies yes and yes so remind people about that. And uh, uh, oh, and uh, the other thing that you have, and we want to make sure that we uh, bring this up. You've got uh, your golf outing yes, coming golf up. Golf outing May twelfth at Sycamore. 
And um, it, we still have slots open. So if anyone wants to sign up, please do so. And we will be out there. And I, I, we won't have any pets. But still, <laughs> if you decide you want to come see dogs after, you're more than welcome to do that. <laughs> um, and so still uh, opportunities uh, to sign up if you want to if you want to golf, if you want to sponsor. Yes. yes. Uh, still have those uh, opportunities. The uh, funds from the golf outing, what are those uh, earmarked for? What do you use those, put those to use for? Um, medical use for the animals. Um, and then any wears and tears in the building. It goes, like, it all goes towards... The Humane Society for everybody, the animals mainly, you know, that's our main concern is their well-being. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and always uh, accepting donations yes. at the uh, yes. Humane Society oh, yes. as um, well. With, like uh, bleach, toys, blankets, um, treats. Uh, we, we take it all. And also, so, <laughs> there he goes. He's like, Hello. Marco is yes. uh, really curious. He is really curious He's about everything go that's going on here. Wants to be a, a part I, of it. I just you can't believe, are a sweetie. He, I just cannot believe he has not been adopted yet. He's been with us for a while now, and he's just the best dog. What, what is the uh, average? I mean, how long does it usually take for, for um, some of these? I know some of them. It, it really take, do take forever. We it hear really stories depends. about that. Yes, it really depends. You know, if, it depends on the breed of dog and everything too. If it's a small dog, they usually go like hotcakes. Yeah. Um, he being a boxer pit mix, sometimes it takes longer. Unfortunately, yeah. There just. Sometimes there's that reputation. Yes, but and it's, he is it's off, it's really a, a It's really dog. sad because they really are wonderful, wonderful dogs. Um, a, a friend of mine actually adopted a dog we had for two years almost named Crystal not wow. that long ago. So we had one for up to two years. So people, when they think the animals, they, they don't stay. They do. They stay with us until they find their forever home. Yeah. And, and we do love them. That is, uh, that is awesome. So Marco is available uh, now. And you actually, uh, folks can go on the uh, website and yes. learn more about the animals yeah. that mm-hmm. you do have. Marco yeah. and all of the others. Yeah, and please don't hesitate to call us if you have any other questions. Uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for uh, more information on adoption, on the uh, golf outing. And, of course, uh, this time of year, we remind folks uh, who are pet owners, like we said, get those uh, shots, yeah. get those inoculations, get that uh, vet appointment. Yep. Make sure that you're all squared away for the uh, summer Please and season. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Jessica is with us from the uh, Hancock County Humane Society with Marco. Thanks very much for Thank coming you. by. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. We are always on 24-7 on the World Wide Web. You can also connect with us on social media. There's a link to email us if there's something you want to share directly. Sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. Again, goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.